Hey guys, this is Fluff. And this is Slam. And this is our podcast, Heterosexualized. Hi guys, thanks for joining us again on our podcast, Heterosexualized. This is Slam. And this is Fluff. And thank you for returning for our third episode And this is going to be part one of our faith-based conversation that we'll be having. And um, so a lot of this, um, this podcast today, this episode today is going to be, it's going to be a pretty fluff centric episode. Um, She has a lot more background in this area than I do. So um, I'll pipe in periodically, but uh, what do you got for us, honey? Really? I just wanted everyone to understand where we came from in our faith journeys and where we are now. Um, So that's basically where we're starting. And then part two won't be immediately after we want to do a little bit more research, but it will be more Bible centric about what the Bible says about being gay and why that's wrong. Or how it's been, not so much that the Bible's wrong, but how it's been misconstrued. Yes, how it's been misinterpreted. Correct. Um, because, I mean, I, I think that there's not a whole lot in the Bible that, I, I wouldn't really call it wrong, but interpretations. And, and, and the Bible, we have to remember, is a text that was written a long time ago. And so the context in which it was written might not be quite as applicable to to modern day times and things that we have going on now. So that will be coming up in part two, uh, which will probably be in a couple weeks or so. But for right now, we wanted to tell you a little bit more about our coming out stories and how that relates to our faith journeys. So Slam and I are both lesbian women and we're both Christians. And a lot of people, um, even in the LGBTQ community, think that those two can't coexist, that you can't be both. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about our own journeys and backgrounds with the church and with the faith. Um, And the reason we wanted to do this episode and future faith-based episodes was because we know a lot of people um, in the LGBTQ community have been hurt by the church, myself included. A lot of LGBTQ people struggle with their faith and with their belief. A lot of people have religious trauma, so it was really important to us to touch upon this topic today because it's an important one uh, that we wanted to talk about. So I'll go first, and I'll tell you a little bit about my experience with the church. I grew up in the church. It was a major part of my upbringing and my childhood. We went to church every single Sunday. There was not a, a reason why we would miss um, I was a deacon in the church. I was part of what? I didn't know that you were a deacon when you were a kid. I was a junior deacon first, which meant that I got to collect offering. <laughs> um, I was, well, I, I guess I started out as an acolyte if you really wanted to go and that's way far back. Do. That's what our girls do now. Um, so I started out as an acolyte. See, I didn't grow up in the church, so I'll try to periodically interrupt her whenever she <laughs> starts using this jargon that most of us church kids don't understand. So what, okay, so Acolyte basically likes the candles, likes, right? Likes the candles, yeah. Okay, and then there's a junior deacon. I didn't know that. Junior deacons would go uh, up front and collect offering. Okay, which is kind of what our kids do too with the prayer cards. With the prayer cards, yeah. yeah. Um, then I was an actual deacon, um, which is 
I, I guess I graduated to be able to pass out communion. That's what a deacon How old does. How you in that? Um, Cause I just always assumed that had to be a grown up. No, it, I, I'm pretty sure every church is different, but I think in the church that I grew up in, you had to be baptized That's what to I be a deacon. Assume. So I, I was a junior deacon first though, because I got baptized when I was like nine or 10. Um, and then I was a junior deacon. And then once I was probably like junior high or high school when they were like really hurting for deacons. So I got to be a deacon. Okay. Follow up question. Yes. Uh, baptism. Is that something that you decided to do or is it like every kid, once they reached a certain age in your church, they just were like put into the class and like did it? No, that was something I decided to do. I decided I was ready to take the class because there's like a six week class that you have to go through, mm -hmm. um, to understand, um, like the doctrines of the church and the pillars of the church. Um, so I decided that you can go through the class and then at the end decide that you're not ready. Um, but I decided at the end of the class, I was ready and I was baptized. Okay. okay. Uh, so after I was a deacon, um, well, that's pretty much where I stayed. I then um, <laughs> I'm all lost in my notes. <laughs> I was a part of the youth group. Um, I went to church camp every summer. I became a youth minister in my early 20s. Um, and then I went on to study theology after college and seminary. I have my master's in pastoral leadership, and I was a senior minister at a church for seven years. So I said in our very first episode that I started realizing that I liked girls when I was nine years old, but everything that had been ingrained in me since birth told me that this feeling that I was having was wrong. Uh, I wasn't lying when I said I'd lie in bed at night with my Bible underneath the blanket crying, trying to find some affirmation that God loved gay people too, because I felt so hopeless. And that was a state of being I remained in until I began seminary when I was 24. I was hopeless, afraid, in denial, and lost. I thought I could make myself straight if I just kept dating boys. And in college, I was so gung-ho on finding a man to marry so that I could finally feel normal. Um, that was like my main objective in college was to find a man to marry because after college, that's what everybody's going to expect me to do. Um, in high school, one of my biggest regrets and embarrassments is writing a paper titled, It's Adam and Eve, Not Adam and Steve. Uh, it was all about how gay marriage should not be legalized. My words, I realize now, hurt other people. I hurt people. I hurt myself too, because I had pushed all of these feelings of homosexuality down. And like we talked about in our last episode, I was really a big victim of internalized homophobia. Um, in seminary, my theological world was literally rocked. I learned that not everything I had been taught in church growing up was accurate or even morally right. I felt as though I'd been brainwashed growing up. And here in seminary, studying right along next to me were other members of the LGBTQ community. They were out, they were proud, some were married to members of the same sex, and they were all Christian in studying and learning to be pastors. I learned so much from them. And even though I wasn't ready to accept that part of me yet, I realized that I had been wrong. I realized that I had hurt people along the way with my bad theology and my fear mongering. 
Um, I was still deeply closeted. And at the time when I was in seminary, I was then married to my college sweetheart. And I had one baby and another baby on the way. So I was trapped again. I suppressed my sexuality. Um, I remember the day gay marriage was finally legalized in all 50 states. I was actually in the middle of theology class in Lexington and a person, um, oh, the class was being taught by my advisor, my mentor, who was an out and proud lesbian woman. She's probably one of the smartest women I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And another, uh, another student who was LGBTQ came running in and they apologized for the interruption, but that the Supreme Court had just released the ruling um, that marriage for the LGBTQ uh, Q community is now legal. And my class cheered and everybody stood up and clapped and my professor cried and my professor fell into the arms of the other uh, LGBTQ student who ran in. And I sat there quietly in my seat. I was too overcome with emotion to speak or to cheer so I just, I sat there and I silently cried and I whispered a quiet thank you to God. I felt as a closeted woman, I had no place in this celebration. This celebration was for the people who had just won a long time hard fought battle that came before me. Uh, when I went home, I went to a regional meeting with all the ministers in our area um, about that decision because coming from a rural conservative area, there was a real concern among the pastoral community that pastors who did not believe in gay marriage would be forced to conduct gay weddings. This obviously is not the case because pastors have a right to pick and choose who they marry, even straight couples. They would never be forced to marry people that they didn't want to. But really, I saw the, true, uh, the church's true colors, or so I thought, um, in the true colors of some, of some of my colleagues, but still I suppressed my own sexuality. So I graduated, I became a pastor. I was a very liberal democratic pastor who tried very hard to get people to see ancient texts in a new way, but still closeted and still very scared to be myself, especially now with the title reverend in front of my name. I served the church I was in for seven years and the final breaking point for me was um, I had asked to perform a wedding of my friend who was panicking at the last minute when she thought she didn't have a venue anymore. And I was like, well, just come get married at my church. So I asked my church and they said, yeah, I could marry her there as long as it was between her and a man. Needless to say, even though the wedding was, was between my friend and her future husband, um, it was not held there. I was mad, I was enraged, and actually I was just so very heartbroken. I knew that as long as I was their minister, I would never be accepted or could ever be myself. So the next week I put in my resignation. Um, I had stopped going to church. I was hurt. I felt failed and abandoned by the very people I had considered family since I was very young. And then the pandemic started and I finally had a good reason to not go to church. That was my excuse. I can't go COVID's there. I can't be sit in church. So after things started opening up, I slowly started going back to my mom's church, but somehow that felt different now that I was out. I felt naked and exposed. And even though we were very welcome and very loved, it still felt like we were different. 
uh, right up until we found the church we go to now, which is an open and affirming church. Now, if you don't know this term, it means that the church fully affirms and is loud and out about it, that they include all members of the LGBTQIA plus community. So for these open and affirming churches, all really does mean all. And so like, we're not talking about like, you go to the church and like, hey, I'm gay. Are you okay with that? And they're like, oh, everybody's welcome. But this is like an actual title. This is a certificate that hangs in their, in their, what's the, like the, like the very front of the church. Yeah. I almost said sanctuary. But no, know. it's like the Norfex. <laughs> yeah. There's so many words. <laughs> um, but like, this is like a, a very official thing. Like, do you have to go through something to like, do you apply somewhere? Or? I'm not exactly sure on the process of becoming open and affirming, but I, I do know that there is a process and, I was actually looking at our church's certificate the other day when I was back there and um, it's not signed by like our current minister or ministers of that church in the past. It's signed by like regional, like general ministers of like the country. So I, I don't exactly know the process, but that might be something interesting to find out about how churches become open and affirming. No, it's fine. I was just (laughs) giving you some space. So that's where we are now. We attended open and affirming church. We're learning what it's like to be gay and lesbian. Sorry, (laughs) lesbian, gay and lesbian. Uh, We're learning how to be lesbian and Christian at the same time. Um, So I'm attending church again. I even agreed to be an elder at our current church. And I'm slowly learning to hear the word of God for where I am now in life as an out lesbian woman. So what's an elder? Because I just make (laughs) for being old. But (laughs) An elder um, prays at the communion table. Um, So the deacon gives the communion. Yes. But the elder prays over the communion? Yes. And essentially these elders and deacons, they're they're seen as leaders in the church. So if anybody... they, they fill in where the pastor cannot. You know, the pastor can't be everywhere all the time. Um, so I know in the church I grew up in, um, which was like way pre-pandemic times, elders would go make home visits, hospital visits, take communion to people who couldn't be there. Um, they would do this so that the minister themselves didn't have to do all the visits all the time because it can, especially in very large churches, can be quite cumbersome for, for ministers to do. So they are leaders in the church. So, you know, if, if there's an issue or there's decisions that need to be made or there's new people in the church, um, normally the elders and the deacons are the ones that are like on the front lines of that, of welcoming the new people and, and trying to make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I've agreed to be an elder at our current church. But it's been a really long journey to get here. And I still have a ways to go with my own faith journey even though I'm no longer writing Adam and Steve papers, uh, I'm still listening for the ways God is speaking to the LGBTQ community. And and trust me when I believe, trust me, sorry, trust me when I say God has a lot to say to the LGBTQ community. And we'll get more into that in in later episodes. Um, So I'm now focusing my time and effort in the next phase of my life, helping people to understand why it's okay to both be gay and Christian and to help the word, help, help people understand the word of God in a new light. And um, 
you're helping me with that too. You, <laughs> I would probably still be really hurt and angry by the church right now had you not told me that it was important for you and for us to find a church to worship together uh, where our family can go and, and we could be ourselves. So um, I definitely would still be angry and brooding at the church had it not been for you who pushed me to go back. Well, I could definitely see that church is a big part of your life and it has been a big part of your life, your entire life. And even though some of that was not always like great for you, it's still important to you. And so I think that's why whenever I realized that I, I think you it was missing from your life and that you needed this, even though you're all like, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to go to church, I could tell that really it means a lot to you. And so that's kind of why I encourage, I don't want to say push, that sounds awful. Um, I encourage. Push in a, in a good, healthy way. <laughs> right off a cliff. Yeah. Um, why I encourage you to go back to church and that like, and I'm super like cheesy and hokey. And so the way that we found our church is um uh, fluff will fill pulpits, which means like if the preacher needs a vacation and they're not going to be there, they can call her up and she'll go and she'll preach at their church for a weekend. Well, I, I thought I had given that up. I, I didn't think that I would fill any more pulpits after I left the church I was at. Yeah. So it was kind of, and I did it as a favor to a friend, really. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't expect to to be asked by anybody else. I just did it because I knew my mom's minister needed a break. So, yeah. so she was asked by that minister to fill the pulpit, which she did. And once I saw her up there doing her preaching, doing her preaching thing, um, I realized that this was a talent that you have um, and that you're really good at it and that it means a lot to you. So, um, whenever we take long car rides, we usually like debate or have very like intense conversations about things. Cause it's just, <laughs> that's the quiet time without the kids and that's what we get to do. But we talk about religion sometimes and I can just tell that it's something that you're really passionate about and that you know a lot about. So I really want you to be able to use those talents. Um, but anyway, so after she had filled that pulpit that weekend, there was another preacher kind of in our area who reached out to that preacher and was like, hey, who fills your pulpits for you when you're gone? And so um, that's how you were referred to our church. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that that church is where I went to college mm -hmm. and right down the road from where you went to college. Mm -hmm. I had gone to church camp at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the, the same place that you went to church camp mm -hmm. all your life growing up. And so I feel that things happen for a reason. I believe in divine intervention. Um, and so we're up there at this church and I went to a, church, a, a college that is very small. It is rural. It is magical on this campus. Mm -hmm. And um, like when you're there, like you feel like you're in a different world almost because it's, it's old and it's like our, our girls think it looks like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. It is. It's, it's a, a beautiful campus. Um, if you're very in tune with nature, it's mm -hmm. a really great place to be. And so it's a very special place for me. Um, 
And then it's a special place for you because that's where you went to camp all those years. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we're at church. She does her thing. Congregation loves her because who couldn't? And then <laughs> she's <laughs> I'm cheesy. You love it. Um, and then whenever we're leaving, I'm one of the, the parishioners encouraged me to sign the guest book. So I'm standing there signing the guest book. And she's tapping me on the shoulder. Fluff is tapping me on the shoulder. And she's like pointing up at the, the bulletin board. And there it is. There's their certificate of being open and affirming. And I just looked at her. I'm like, like, what more of a sign do you need <laughs> that, hey, here it is. We've been looking for an open and affirming church mm-hmm. for months now. We had no idea that there was one this close. We thought we were going to have to travel at least an hour. Yeah. Um, if not more to, to get to a, a church, which I mean, we travel like 45 minutes now, but still like we thought we were going to have to really like take a road trip to find somewhere more metropolitan that had mm-hmm. a church like that. And then you got to find one that's in your denomination. denomination so that that limits it even more. Um, and here it is. And it's at this place that is so special already to both of us. So it's like, I really took that as a sign from God just answering our prayers and being like, okay, you guys have been looking for your church. Here it is. Uh, and, and God works in mysterious ways in that respect, I think. So that's how we ended up at our church. <laughs> so I guess I'll go into my background with religion and, and my sexuality. Now, I don't really have a whole lot to say on the topic because I wasn't raised in the church. I had gone to church whenever I was a kid. Um, my parents were divorced, so I was at my mother's house most of the time and they did not go to church, although I knew that my family, meaning my grandparents and my great grandparents were members of a certain church. Um, us ourselves, we didn't really attend regularly or even for what do you call it? The creaser? No, the, the, no, the, the CNE people. The CNE people. Christmas and Easter. Yeah, the, the, we weren't even that. So <laughs> um, now, my father's house, I do remember that we would go to church, um, different churches and little spurts throughout my childhood. And and I don't even really know what denomination they were because as Fluff can attest, my memory is god awful. <laughs> so um, I don't really remember a whole lot. And I definitely don't remember anything about the teachings in the church being geared in or skewed in any way saying that homosexuality was bad or a sin. I don't ever remember hearing anything like that growing up. So... Um, I mean, as I got older, like teenage, I understood that there was some type of taboo around being gay, but I really still didn't quite understand where that came from or why. Um, and then once I realized it was a taboo in the Christian faith, I still didn't really understand why I could never really get an answer from anybody that satisfied that, that question of why or how it was bad or why is it a sin? And then I, you just hear like the, oh, man shall not lie with another man as they do a woman, which we'll do a whole episode interpreting different things from the Bible and verses from the Bible and, and, and why that's wrong. And that's not what the Bible says, but I just, I didn't understand it. And it, I guess it was just because I wasn't raised in it. Um, but yeah, getting us as a, an adult, um, I've always been kind of 
I've gone through a lot of different phases in my life. I like to think of myself as like a more like scholarly person. I like to research things. I I like to learn new things. So um, we live in an area that is very close to a group of religious individuals called the Hare Krishnas. And that is of a more of a Hindu based faith, would you say? Um, But I was really into that, like not into the religion, but learning about that whenever I was in high school, realized it wasn't really my thing. Um, And then for a lot of my college years, I identified as agnostic. So I've always kind of believed that there was a higher power, but I didn't really prescribe to any religions, teachings specifically. Um, and then as a young adult, I, I really wanted to find a church. I wanted to find somewhere that I felt comfortable and welcome. And so I've been to a lot of different churches and for a little while I found one that I thought was for me, but then, and that's actually where I was baptized, um, as an adult. So I made that decision in my late twenties. I mean, my daughter was already born by that time, um, So I made that decision to go to classes and get baptized in that church and then stop going again because I just, I don't know, I guess I just wasn't into it anymore. But um, whenever we got together, I knew that religion, I knew that church was important to you in your life. So I wanted to learn more about that and start going more and, and support you in that area of your life. You called me a church lady when you first met me. Do you remember? Well, I, whenever I first met you, it was at roller derby. And then they told me that you were a preacher. And I was like, what the hell is a preacher doing at roller derby? (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I got to know you a little more and I was like, this is not like any preacher I have ever met before. Like it's not a lot. About your tattoo. Oh, I have a tramp stamp for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. She has a tramp stamp that's like this fancy little cross, and I call it her tramp stamp for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the day I showed everybody on the team that they 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 thought that was real funny. It is funny. <laughs> Who in the world has a tramp stamp that's a cross, honey? That's, that's well, listen, I wanted it, you know, upper on my back more, but then I was like, Oh, my mom will freak out because she'll be able to see it in my wedding dress and it'll be a big thing. So I'll just put it lower. And then it didn't occur to me that I was getting a tramp stamp until it was there. And and then everybody said, ha oh, ha, no tramp stamp. Now it's, you know, I got a tramp stamp for Jesus. So, <laughs> so that happened. If you can't tramp it up for Jesus, who can't <laughs> tramp it up for? I feel like Jesus would appreciate that. Hey, he hung out with tramps and, and prostitutes yeah. and sex workers and they're his people yep i feel like he'll appreciate it he totally would so yeah i'm now i've come full circle i feel really comfortable in my church which is really what i've been looking for the whole time it's just somewhere that i felt comfortable church for me is somewhere that um i want to have a community there and i really feel like we have that in our church um, it's a very small congregation and the fact that COVID's going on right now makes it even smaller because a lot of our church congregation is doing it virtually. Mm-hmm. We have virtual service. Uh, they stream our service. So 
Um, but I'm, I'm just looking for a support system, friends, community, um, representation. So we have a lot of representation in our church. It's a small church, but whenever you look at it percentage wise, I mean, shoot, it's 50% queer. I'd say it's pretty gay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, whenever you're looking for your churches, I, I would encourage you to look for a church that allows LGBTQ people to, to be involved in the church, you know, like, yeah, you hear people say, oh, everybody's welcome. Like, it's like kind of a cop out. Yeah, everybody's welcome. But do you want me here? Am I going to be able to be myself here? Are my children going to be able to be themselves here? Are they going to be able to accomplish everything that they want to accomplish in the church? If they want to be in the choir, are you going to let them? Or if they want to be a deacon or an elder, are you going to let them? And if the answer is no, then is that really a welcoming place? Is that somewhere that you want to be in? Is that somewhere that you want to raise your family? So these are things that you need to ask yourself when you're looking for your church. That's actually a really nice segue into um, this little section I had to end this episode with. Um, Like we said, we'll have more future faith topics that are a little bit more niche. And this is really just part one of of many faith-based topics that we want to cover Um, This was kind of like an umbrella episode to just start the conversation in general. Um, But we definitely want to take a deeper dive into some more specific topics. But to wrap up this episode, um, I wanted to end with some advice for members of the LGBTQ community or even heterosexuals who might struggle with accepting a person that that can be both gay and Christian and why that's completely a thousand percent okay. So the first one is, Know that your faith journey is a personal one. No one gets to decide where or when or how or why you have a relationship with God. If you want a relationship, you can have one. God's love is for everyone. I I think that that's so true and that you don't have, and for me, like, like prayer. So like, I feel like prayer is a very personal thing and I don't, I'm not really, really, I'm not really into group prayer. I find it odd. Mm. Um, I think that prayer is a very personal thing. So yeah, I'll be respectful during group prayers and stuff. But like, I just feel like prayer should be between oneself and their higher power. Um, But also the way in which you, uh, the way you get your church, I guess you, you could say, you don't have to be in a church building to get your church. You can worship on your own. You can worship virtually. You can kind of do your own thing. Your your relationship with God is your own. And it can be something as simple as just like having a conversation with God. It can be something as simple as maybe you're really into praise music. And that's what you like to do. Um, maybe it can be like a Bible study kind of thing that you have with friends or family members. Um, actually podcasts, even if you want to listen to podcasts that are on the subject, um, that would be a really good idea. One of the main inspirations for us starting this podcast was actually that Fluff had found a podcast and I've been like really into like researching 
religion and um, queer topics and how those intersect lately. And so she found a podcast that I've been obsessed with. It's called Yes, Jesus. (laughs) And it's actually um, done by Daniel Franzese Mm -hmm. and Ezra Southworth. And a lot of people might know Daniel as uh, an actor and and a comedian. And yeah, he was in Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. And um, I just really loved what they were doing the topics that they talk about are so relevant. Um, They're using their platform to give voices to other LGBTQIA folks um, and allies and Black Lives Matter and just like so many other things. And it's just, I'm super into it right now. And then um, Fluff has another podcast. And then she was like, we had some stuff going on in our life. And I felt like I needed an outlet just to like talk about queer things and she was like well let's start a podcast and I was like well shit like these guys are doing it talking about a bunch of gay shit so we can talk about a bunch of gay shit so I do encourage everyone to get out there and listen to that podcast it's super cool number two is find a community like slam was saying um whether you know you're a Christian or maybe you are struggling um finding a loving accepting community to which you can talk to and ask your questions to and voice your concerns. Find a group that affirms their love for you, your self-worth and your place in the kingdom of God. You can always reach out to Slam and I if you don't have that type of community. I have resources and people out the yin yang that I can put you in touch with that will be able to help you navigate these thoughts and feelings that you're having. If you have a church community and you find out that they aren't open and affirming, but they are welcoming of you and your identity, Maybe it's time to have that difficult conversation with your pastor or your church leader about taking steps to becoming open and affirming. It's one thing to say you're welcoming, but it's so different when you put it all out there. We don't want to just be welcome in our congregations. We want to be equal. Just like representation is so important, feeling seen and being heard by a community is just as important. Ask the really hard questions of your church about why they aren't open and affirming. And if you discover that they aren't as welcoming as they say they are, then maybe it's time to move on to a different place. And the third tip is to pray. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a long memorized prayer from your early childhood Sunday school classes. Talk to God like she's a friend. Honestly, sometimes I start out my prayers by saying, listen, sis, we got a lot to talk about. And I just talk as if I'm spilling the tea with my best friend. Pray to God to walk with you on this journey of self-discovery. Pray for churches and so-called Christians who aren't accepting that they will hear the word of God differently and realize that God's word is for everyone. And most importantly, just pray and thank God for making you exactly who you were meant to be. God doesn't make mistakes. You were created exactly how she wanted you to be, no matter how you identify. so that is it for our part one episode on our faith-based conversation um we will have other ones if you have any topic suggestions um anything in the bible that you find confusing or anything that you you just want us to research more and have an episode about uh feel free to reach out to us on our facebook page which is heterosexualized podcast Or you can reach us via email at heterosexualizedpodcast at gmail.com. 
All right. So that's the end of this episode, guys. We'll see you next time. And we promise the next episode won't be as heavy. I know these first couple have been a little heavy. We want to do some fun ones too. So even if your suggestions aren't faith-based, just any suggestions under the LGBTQ umbrella, we will talk about anything. We'll talk about all the gay shit. <laughs> so thanks for listening, guys. And we will see you. Do we want to, do we know what our next episode is going to be? I kind of wanted to go over some like gay vocabulary. Okay. That's so. good. I just had a lesson with one of our daughters. So <laughs> I think that I could probably draw from that inspiration. All right. Great. So episode four will be gay vocabulary. <laughs> we just decided. See you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.